I'm Dan from Portland, Oregon. I'm Kate from Minneapolis. I'm Zach from Madison, Wisconsin. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org. And please click on Donate. I'm Jesse Thorne, live on tape from my house in Los Angeles. It's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. We're here at the Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah. My guest, Drake Doremus, is the director of one of the films here in the festival. I want to say the name of the film, but I want to warn you that it may be offensive to some listeners. It refers to a feminine hygiene product, which is often associated with dudes who are jerks. And in fact, dudes who are jerks is one of the subjects of the film. It's a story about two brothers who don't get along very well, going on a bit of a quest uh, in anticipation of one of the brothers' wedding. It's called Douchebag, and here's a clip from the film. She's pretty cool, huh? I didn't want to like her at first, but I have to say, I really like her. She is amazing. She's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for her sake, let's just pretend to like each other, you know, to get through this. For the wedding, when we're around her, let's just pretend that, that we like each other. Underneath, we can hate each other. You can hate me. I'll be hating you, too. <laughs> but let's not let it show, all right? I understand. I'm here. This is important. And then after the wedding, we can go back to normal. All right? Okay. Drake Dreamus, welcome to The Sound of Young America. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. This is your second feature film, and that is um, almost distressingly impressive to me. Um, And it's a a very charming film as well. Um, I, I read that your mother was one of the founding members of the Groundlings, the uh, Los Angeles uh, sketch and improv comedy group, uh, out of which many of the most famous comedians of the past 20, 25 years have come. Um, did you grow up in like sketch and improv comedy world? Absolutely. That was um, my uh, first taste of entertainment, uh, you know, being around that. And she has an improv and sketch comedy group in Orange County. Um, she has for the past 20 years, it's called the Orange County Crazies and, uh, growing up in that world and that improv world was, was sort of, um, my first, uh, experience with entertainment. So. When did you, st- when, when did you start doing improv? Oh man, probably around six or seven. I mean, just, uh, sort of messing around a little bit and then started performing a little more frequently around, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13. And, um, you know, having m- my mom in that, uh, it was just amazing. Yeah, was I, I I read this article. I I of course Googled you, and w- one of the things that popped up was this uh, this rather old article from the New York Times. I believe you were in high school when this article was written. Oh wow! Um, it was an article <laughs> I think about parenting, um, and there was a there was a couple of paragraphs about you and your mom, and it described uh, your mom uh, having you know, having this office for, for the improv group and, and doing all the things that people who run improv theaters do, like, you know, doing corporate consulting and 
uh, team building and, and all this different stuff. And you having your own office in the <laughs> improv group's office where you were writing furiously. <laughs> and it made me wonder what you were writing so furiously when you were, I guess, 17 years old. I was doing plays at that time. I mean, that was, you know, I had the, I had the stage, I had the theater. So just doing plays. I mean, I, I did like three or four and it was a great experience to grow and learn and, uh, it was incredible. You, you were also, it, it mentioned in the article, had been performing in every one of the shows <laughs> that the group was putting on. What were you doing in these shows? Uh, magic tricks and juggling. <laughs> no, I was doing uh, just improv and sketch comedy mostly. You know, that was the uh, that's what we were doing at the time. Were you performing with a cast of other people? All the other people were grown up. Yeah, yeah, I was performing in a cast with like you know people thirty, forty years older than me, and I think people were a little bit. Uh, you know, weirded out by it at first, but um, it was, was this like an improv context? In in improv, often anyone can be anyone. So, did you find yourself uh, playing the doctor alongside? <laughs> Absolutely, I would play you know female characters. You know, at, at twelve, probably because I had a high voice at that time. But uh, it was, I mean, got to do everything and experiment and learn, and and um, it was incredible. How, how did uh, doing all that sketch and improv? Um, shape who you became as uh, as a filmmaker. God, that's a, that's an interesting question. I think it's it's something that I that it's always in me when I'm making a movie. I I think the idea that that at any point you would feel or say anything is important, and in douchebag specifically, you know the the actors are encouraged to be reactive completely and to say and and think and feel everything they think in the moment. And I think that having that background shaped a lot of how I make films. Is it difficult to remember? I mean, one of the core principles of improvisation is, as you said, anything can happen at any time. And it's the responsibility of everyone on stage to support whatever happens to happen. Exactly. Um, Which can, uh, you know, which which in the context of improv is vitally important, but in the context of uh, creating a film can also cause problems um, (laughs) in that, you know, films have to have a very specific structure in order to feel satisfying in the context of, you know, 90 minutes or 120 minutes. Um, Was it difficult to learn that structure and pair that with that training that you'd have? You know, I think the thing that I learned quickly after failing at doing it was the blocking of of the performances had to stay the same. As long as as you had that, you could improvise anything and everything would be continuous and the continuity would work and and you could cut back and forth between things. So that's the key for me is to keep the... uh, is to keep the is to block the scene and keep it the same. You were editing your first feature <laughs> when the idea for this one came along. Your first feature, which competed yeah. and, and and won a number of awards and festivals around the country, um, editing is like this really intense thing, from what I can gather, with like a director and an editor sort of locked in a room for you know twelve sixteen hour days staring oh, yeah. at a monitor. Was that sort of how this bubbled up? Absolutely. I mean, I, I spent uh, four months in the room with Andrew Deckler, who's a fantastically accomplished editor. He edited Me and You Never and We Know. He was an editor on Borat. He just did Anvil last year. I mean, he's an incredibly accomplished guy and talented guy. And on top of that, extremely unique and um, funny 
And the idea to put him in a movie and for him to act was something he never thought of doing ever in his life. And at first, really didn't want to do it, but I convinced him to do it, and he did it, and and here he is. So uh, what were the actual qualities of this guy? This guy is one of the stars of the film. He is the he is, titular yeah. d- douchebag. He is douchebag. <laughs> um uh, and I, I don't know if you, <laughs> I don't know if you pitched it to him as you're a douchebag, and I'd love to make a film about you. Oh no, it was a little gentler than that. <laughs> uh huh. Um, what were the specific qualities of him that made you think, like, you know, putting make making a movie is no small task, even even a even a very you know technically modest film like this one. It sure. involves you know 25 people and six months of their time. Um, so what made you want to put all of that onto this guy who'd never actually done this before? I, I've never met anyone in my entire life that sees the world like he does. He, he has a, an opinion about everything, but it's not an opinion that most people share. And, <laughs> and Can you give me an example? An example would be uh, having a credit card, for instance. Uh, there's a scene in the film where he lectures his younger brother about uh, having a credit card and having fiscal responsibility and participating in modern commerce, as he puts it. And we had that conversation that I don't have a credit card, and uh, he, he just doesn't understand that and therefore has a lot of reasons for it. So <laughs> he's also he's also just a spectacularly distinctive looking yes, guy. Yes, that's the other thing that was important was he has a beard that's about a foot off of his face and he's sort of a balding guy and piercing brown eyes, he's very unique. very handsome guy. Like a very charismatic <laughs> but also he's also bald like mostly yeah, bald mostly, yeah. but young for being mostly bald and with yeah. this giant beard. Yeah. You must you must have just imagined looking at him through the camera. Absolutely. I mean, he's a he's to me he was a movie star, and I had to put him in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anytime I see a bald man with a beard, <laughs> yeah, that's when I the, think movie star. Movie star. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so he has this he, he has this quality of uh, strong conviction. Um, did that suggest conflict to Abs- you? Uh, absolutely. I mean, the conflict that we would have, I mean, jokingly and in and, and fun, uh, was an idea that I thought if we could exaggerate that and create a brother relationship, then we'd have uh, the basis for a movie and we'd have uh, some conflict that we could grow from. What was the appeal of a brother relationship? You, you don't have a brother, right? I, well, I do, but but we're not very close. He's, he's much older than me, and we don't see each other that often, so no. But... Um, I Ben Jones, who plays his brother in the movie, is sort of like my brother. We grew up together, and, and we've known each other for our whole lives, basically. So for some reason, it just kind of came together. I knew Andrew really well, and knew Ben really well. And in my head, I thought, well, the two of them together is exactly the anti-chemistry that we're looking for for the film. It's sort of like you, you're, you're, you were almost sort of authoring a family for yourself. <laughs> kind of in a way, yeah, definitely. Describe your friend uh, uh, Ben, who's the other star of the film. Ben is um, piercing blue eyes, beautiful blonde hair. No, he's uh, he's a very sweet looking. He's guy. yes, exactly. Gentle man is how I would describe him. Um, he is um, he can't grow a full beard. That was another thing that we thought of in the film is that he's got patchy patchy beard, and the idea is that he wants to grow a full beard like his brother, but can't quite do it. So that's sort of a subtle character choice. Uh, that we have of him. It's it's red as well. They both have red beards and it's patchy. It's mostly under his chin that he has the uh, the beard. So you have this central idea, which is there's a conflicted re- relationship between these two brothers. 
Um, and that's a that's a lovely idea, especially with these two lovely actors involved. But it's not quite a movie. So, how did you get from that idea to um, the structure of the film? You know, the structure of the film kind of came about when um, my fifth grade girlfriend was named Mary Barger, and in the film, the brothers go on a search to try to find Ben's younger his his fifth grade girlfriend, Mary Barger, and the idea that. They were going to do that with sort of the, the framework of the road trip, and the conflict was sort of within that. So, um, you know, I, I love I love Broken Flowers, and I love Woody Allen's work, and that sort of those themes, and, and the idea of of going door to door trying to find this fifth grade girlfriend with these two brothers who hate each other. It's just this strange journey that they go on. So, uh, hanging it on the fifth grade girlfriend was definitely a uh, a piece that I think early came together and became the movie. How do you feel? I mean, this is, this is a movie that's basically about uh, two guys who are um, both coming to terms with their relationship with each other, but also coming to terms with, you know, what their relationship is to grown-up romance. Um, uh, the uh, older jerky brother is uh, has this really great girlfriend that he's going to get married to, but feels horribly uncomfortable w- with that idea, and you know still wants to um, uh, you know bang around a little bit. <laughs> and uh, the at the same time, the younger brother is has never been in love uh, except in fifth grade, <laughs> um, and and you know is set off on this search for his fifth grade girlfriend you're only 26 so like you could be in any anywhere along this spectrum which parts of those did you relate to yourself you know i um personally i i'm hopeless romantic and i love the idea of of being in love at one point and then revisiting that later in life that that idea to me is something that fascinates me so have you ever given it a shot you know mary barger was here opening night she came I haven't seen her in 15 years, and she was there. How did, okay, so how did you get in touch with her? Because I you, found her you weren't even sure if she was going to be there no. when you were standing on the stage introducing no. the film. No, I was not, and she was there at the end, and uh, I saw her for the first time in 15 years. She actually brought me a flask that said douchebag on it, so she was really excited to see me again. And Or she possibly thought you were a douchebag. Yeah, and <laughs> probably, probably that. It's probably yeah. that. Um, but uh, she's... she's uh, Really cool young lady. So it was good to reconnect with her through what, the film. What, what was the what was the message? You're looking horribly embarrassed. You're staring. You're staring <laughs> like uh, at, with absolute conviction convic- conviction at the label on your yeah. tee. But I I feel like I have to press this a little bit. <laughs> what what was the Facebook message that you sent her when you found her on Facebook? Oh man, I was so nervous. I was nervous she was going to sue us or something. Uh, um, I said Had you already made the film. Already and made the uses film. Her name. Yes, it, it, her name is probably in the film 80 times and uh, I was so nervous that she was going to be weirded out by that but the, the message I sent her was just hey how are you doing first remember me and she said yeah I do and then I said hey I made this little movie and I used your name in it and some of the details of our of our affair in fifth grade and um, I'd love for you to see it and and um, reconnect with you and she said that's amazing and then about four weeks later we we were lucky enough to get into Sundance and I said hey do you want to come up um, they really would love for you to come and be a part of this and she said yes, and, and she was here for opening night, so it was uh, really cool. Uh, where does she live? She, she lives in Orange County. She still lives in Orange County, where we, where we went to fifth grade. And I would imagine that you probably live in, still live in Southern California. I live in Los Angeles, yeah. Okay, so you, you have the option of saying, hey, 
why don't I take you out to lunch yeah. first and prepare <laughs> you for this whole thing? But you declined this option. Definitely. I, I wanted her to see the movie first. I mean, uh, I th- you know, it's kind of a love letter to her in a way. And, um, yeah, just uh, a special thing for her to come. So Okay, Drake. So <laughs> at the screening, um, you're taking questions from the audience. And someone asked you something about her. And it came up that, uh, you know, th- th- you said, well, I don't know if she liked it. And there was, like, one <laughs> lone clap from the back of this huge – it was it was screening in what appeared to be, like, a high school gymnasium yeah, yeah, yeah. with, with, sp- with uh, seats built into it. And you hear this lonely clap from the back. <laughs> You must have had the chance to talk to her after the film. What, what, what was it like to talk to her? I, I think she was touched. I think she was relieved that the Mary Barger in the film wasn't a bad person or, <laughs> or uh, you know. Uh, was she still cute? Very cute. <laughs> very, very cute. <laughs> and a sweetheart. Absolute sweetheart. So it was uh, really cool and special. Well, Drake, thank you so much for taking this time to be on this. Thanks for having me. It was great to have you. Drake Doremus is the director of the film Douchebag, which just premiered here at the Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah, as we record. Uh, You can find out more about the movie at douchebagmovie.com. And I was very impressed, Drake, to hear that you guys managed to nab twitter.com slash douchebag. We did. We were very lucky to get it. You'd think maybe that Diddy would have grabbed that for backup (laughs) or something. (laughs) Thanks again, Drake. Thanks for having me. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I have been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our editor in Chicago and the producer and director of our shows at Sundance is Nick White. Our videos were shot by Benjamin Harrison. And by the way, you can check out videos of all of these shows absolutely 100% for free and download them, even if you'd like to, at MaximumFun.org. That's MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to Eric Bright, PR, for hosting us at the Sundance Film Festival. They're the ones who gave us the third floor bedroom to record in. If you have thoughts about the show, email me, jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at MaximumFun.org. You can check out all our shows and download our free podcasts at MaximumFun.org or just search for The Sound of Young America in iTunes. You know, we have an annual conference called Max FunCon. It's coming up in May, and we've just announced two totally full-ride scholarships for the con. So if you'd like to come but you haven't got the money, visit us at maxfuncon.com. That's maxfuncon.com to find out how to apply for one of those scholarships. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America. Production of The Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com.